The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. Can't believe it's finally here. The 2015 postseason for the Royals. The ALDS at Kauffman Stadium beginning Thursday night. And we're glad to be back along with you each and every postseason game right here on Clubhouse Conversation. The place for Royals fans. With Davo, we talk to all your favorite current and former Royals players in-depth weekly interviews year-round on Clubhouse Conversation. Like I said, we break down the games pre- and post-game as well. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at Royals Clubhouse here on the site, clubhouseconversation.com, and, of course, on Facebook, Clubhouse Conversation. That brings us to our Game 1 ALDS Special Edition of Your Dish, where we'll be joined by a special guest tonight. A good friend uh, of Clubhouse Conversation is Robert Ford. The voice of the Houston Astros will join us tonight. The play-by-play man of the Astros, Robert Ford, a name very familiar to all of you as he spent several years here in Kansas City doing the pre- and post-game for the Royals on 610 Sports Radio and, of course, went down to Houston and is now doing great as the voice of the Astros. So Robert will join us here in about two minutes. We'll go over inside and out the Houston Astros, how they match up with the Royals as well. We'll do all that, but first a couple of quick house-cleaning things I wanted to get to. Nathan is currently bringing up Robert on hold as we speak. So a couple of things we'll get to while we wait to get Robert on the phone. Number one, a tweet from Greg asking, when will the official ALDS roster be announced? Greg, that will be tomorrow. Thought we might get it today, but besides some grumblings, it's, you know, I would say noon to one o'clock tomorrow, the rosters will be announced. I'm not even sure the official time might be 10 a.m. or something, but we'll know them by noon or one o'clock tomorrow. Although for the Royals, it's pretty much set in stone. The only real question at this point is, do you go as your 25th man, Johnny Gomes or Terrence Gore? You know the pitching, who the Royals will take. That's no secret. We know that. We know the lineup, obviously. We know Drew Butera's on that bench. Five-man bench is the backup catcher. We know Christian Colon is your backup infielder. We know Gerard Dyson's one of the backup outfielders. That leaves two spots. You know Parlo Orlando's going to be on this roster, in my opinion. No way you can't take him with Lorenzo Cain having the bruised knee, the foot issues ongoing. Orlando can really play the outfield at a high level off the bench, as can Dyson, of course. But Orlando, a guy the Royals like to bring in for defense, for Rios as the games go on. Again, Dyson could do that as well, but he maybe could be starting some of these games, could be your, your pinch runner guy. And that leaves, like I said, for the other spot, the 25th man, speaking of pinch runner, do you go with Terrence Gore, who, simply put, is a game changer as a pinch runner? Do you go with him as your 25th man, knowing that he can't play defense, you know, arm-wise at least, knowing he can't hit, obviously, so he's there for one reason, to steal bases. Do you go with him, or knowing that you're going to see at least two lefties in the rotation in this series, obviously, in Keichel, and Kazmir, do you go with the lefty masher, Johnny Gomes? Interesting to see. My gut tells me the Royals go with Terrence Gore. Just because of that game-changing ability he has in close playoff games to come in in the 7th, 8th, ninth innings, come in for a Zobrist or a Kendris Morales or a Salvador Perez, whoever it may be, in a tie game, a one-run deficit, a guy that could come in and rip off a base and really get you a run pretty easily. Other question I want to get to, because Robert is now on hold. Darren asks, do you think it's right to move Alcides back to the leadoff of the playoffs? To be honest with you, Darren, and there's been lots of talk about this, as there should be. It's a great question, because sabermetric-wise, number-wise, it makes almost no sense to lead Escobar off. He's one of the worst options for this team, if you go by the numbers, obviously. 
But the records, let's check them out. The last 162 games with Eski leading off, the Royals are 103 and 59. 92 and 85 in the games over the last two years, he starts but doesn't lead off. So the Royals' 103 wins go from a great team to a very good team at 92. But then this year, 82 and 49 with Eski leading off, 13 and 18 when he doesn't. Yes, there's sample size to be considered there. The pitching has been better recently. Does it have anything to do with Escobar leading off? Pretty much the answer is no. But the most important stat in baseball or any sport is W and L, and the Royals seem to win that way. If it gives them the psychological advantage, if it makes them feel more comfortable, if other guys in the lineup like scooting down more, it's not a horrible thing because it does make the bottom of the lineup stronger. And that's dumb to say because you want to give the guys, obviously, uh, your best on-base guys the more at-bats, right? Your best hitters get the most at-bats, and you guarantee them the most at-bats by putting them towards the top, right? So I get that it really makes no sense to say that, but it works. So if Ned decides to go back with Zobris Gordon at the top, that's fine. If Ned decides to go with Escobar, that's fine. I trust him at this point, and to be honest with you, other studies say it doesn't matter a whole heck of a lot how the lineup goes to a degree. And with that, let's bring in Robert Ford, the voice of the Houston Astros on Clubhouse Conversation. Robert, good to talk to you. How's everything going? Good. Doing well. Back in KC, and I've got to tell you, Robert, I think you officially have made it in life. You now have a Wikipedia page. (laughs) Well, if that's making it in life, then I suppose so. But, uh, uh, I don't think there's much on that Wikipedia page, and I'm not verified on Twitter. So um, <laughs> until I'm verified on Twitter, I think that's when I'll know I really made it. Okay. All right. Fair enough on that. Well, many Royals fans obviously going to remember you, you know, at 610 Sports, pre and post game before heading down to Houston. So, I mean, it's got to be, you know, pretty special for you, your current employer, your current team, the Astros, you know, seeing the Royals back in KC for postseason. It's getting dark early. It falls in the air. I mean, how special is it? Is it kind of surreal being back here for the playoffs? It's it's very special, and I mean, it's special regardless of, of where you go, but especially when you get to go to places you're familiar with. I mean, I grew up in New York City, so getting to, to see the Astros win a wild card game at Yankee Stadium was really neat, and you know, obviously coming to Kansas City, where I worked for four years, uh, is pretty cool as well, so... Uh, it's a great time of year, and I'm I'm really glad to be a part of it, and I'm glad that the Astros are a part of it. Absolutely, what a what a fun, exciting team, and they do it the right way down there. It's amazing how quickly the Astros have turned things around. I'm excited for the series, and you you mentioned New York, obviously that was real special, and then of course August 21st, your first no hitter that you got to announce there uh, with Mike Fires against the Dodgers. How special was that? That was really cool. I mean, and especially because you know there there are two different types of no hitters. There are the no hitters where you kind of know early on, all right, this pitcher has something really special going. He has great stuff from, you know, the first pitch on. Uh, and then you have no-hitters where uh, a pitcher maybe scuffles a little bit early and then finds it. And the, the Mike Fires no-hitter was the latter. Uh, got off to a bit of a slow start, walked guys in each of the first three innings. And then when he found it, he really found it and was dialed in against a pretty good Dodgers lineup. And uh, it was just, it was a really special night to, to see him do what he did and, and the way he finished that game. 
Well, I want to break down uh, the Astros in depth, and you seem like a, you know, a good guy, obviously, to do that with. So let's kind of get to this team then in this series. So first of all, we'll start with the starting pitching. It's uh, Colin McHugh for Houston in Game 1 coming up tomorrow. Then you've got Scott Kazmir in Game 2, Dallas Keuchel in Game 3 is the announce to this point. So beginning with McHugh then, uh, a guy, really pretty amazing guy, that Houston essentially kind of picked up off the quote-unquote baseball scrap heap. You know, brought him in after, uh, after struggling, and he's really turned things around. Kind of give us a report on him and what makes him so successful. Yeah, I mean, the Astros claimed him off waivers from the Rockies prior to last season. And at that time, with the Mets and the Rockies, he was 0-8 with a ERA of close to 9 as a big league pitcher. But the Astros liked the spin rate on his curveball. They noticed that the spin rate was greater than most spin rates are on the curveballs. And they felt like, well, maybe we can figure out something to work with here because he has a special curveball. And what the Astros figured out with pitching coach Brent Strom is that Colin McHugh, he was a sinker ball pitcher, and that didn't really complement his curveball really well. So Brent Strom got him to throw the four-seam fastball, and he doesn't throw the sinker anymore. So he's got the four-seam fastball, which he can ride up, and then the curveball, which he can drop down in the zone, so he can change hitters' eye levels that way. And that's really what turned things around for Colin McHugh. Saw it last year, and then obviously just a great year this year, winning 19 games, ERA below four, and, and was a mainstay in the rotation and the clear number two in the rotation behind Dallas Keuchel. So really the key for Colin McHugh is that four-seam fastball. Uh, Sometimes he struggles to command it, uh, but when he has good command of it, he's really tough to beat. Now, game two is kind of interesting to me. You've got Scott Kazmir going, uh, a guy who obviously has struggled a bit over the last uh, five, six weeks, but against the Royals, he has been dynamite throughout his career, including earlier this season. So, you know, from reading Houston fans on Twitter, and, you know, not that that's obviously the pulse of everything, but, you know, it seemed a bit surprised at many Astros fans that maybe Lance McCullers wasn't chosen for game two. I'm sure we'll see him in relief. I mean, do you think that it's kind of a thing where A.J. Hinch chose Kazmir more for his success against the Royals, more so than recent starts, or do you feel like maybe he would have, you know, always been the choice because of his veteran leadership over, you know, no matter who the opponent would have been? Well, I think certainly his success against the Royals is a factor, and also Kazmir is a fly ball pitcher, so I think if you have him pitch in this series, you'd rather him pitch at Kauffman Stadium than pitch at Minute Maid Park, which is not as forgiving for fly ball pitchers. Uh, I think the thing with Kazmir, I mean, his velocity has been down a little bit, although he's still been throwing in the low 90s, and his command has not been very good. That's really been the big problem. He hasn't been able to throw the ball where he wants to throw it. He's been missing by sometimes the width of the plate with his fastball. And that's been the reason that he's been struggling. So, uh, obviously, with a guy of his track record, of his caliber, you, you, you hope he can turn it around. But, I mean, it's one of those things where in the postseason, starters are already on short leashes anyway. I think a guy like Casmer is going to be on an even shorter leash when he pitches uh, game two because of how much he struggled in September. So, I mean, the Astros will have guys like Mike Fires and Lance McCullers available in the bullpen to back them up if necessary. So I felt like A.J. Hinch probably felt like this was a gamble worth taking given Kazmir's track record. And if it doesn't work out, then you certainly have other guys that you can bring in in his stead. Speaking of A.J. Hinch, former Royal and from all accounts a great guy, you know, great for the community, does a lot. Uh, I would assume a great guy to be around every day. You know, what's A.J. like to be around every day? He's great. Uh, I mean, what you see is what you get. He's very, uh, he's very transparent. Uh, there's, there, there aren't any games, and uh, he, he just gets it. He's a very good communicator. He's done a really good job of putting the players on this team in a position to be successful. And I think, you know, being a backup catcher like he was, being the 25th man on the roster in many teams that he was on, I think A.J. 
has a really keen understanding of making sure that everybody feels like they're a part of this team from 1 to 25. He's really done a good job of that, and that's a big reason why the Royals are, or the uh, Astros are where they are right now. Talking to Robert Ford, the voice of the Houston Astros, Dallas Keuchel, what makes him so amazing? Well, I think it's a combination of having really good command and late movement. Keuchel is the master at making a pitch look like a strike until the very last second. And it drops out of the strike zone, it drops in a part of the strike zone you weren't expecting. And that's really when he's at his best. I mean, he's not going to overpower you. He can get that fastball up there to 90-91, but that's about it. But he moves it around really well, has a great sinker, good four-seamer, uh, excellent slider that he can throw to lefties and righties, as well as a, a very good changeup. And he understands how to use all of his pitches, also a cut fastball that he can throw to righties. He understands how to use all of his pitches, and he's going to find a way to win every single game. He's a fierce competitor, never wants to give the ball up. And, I mean, he's just the, 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 the perfect guy to be the number one in your staff. Arguably the best starting rotation in the American League, obviously, the Houston Astros. One thing that's not talked about a lot that I wanted to ask you about, kind of give us an overview of, of how they'll line up middle innings, late innings, the back of that bullpen. Talk a bit about the Astros' bullpen. Well, it's probably changed a little bit because, you know, Luke Rickerson is the closer, and he has been all year, and he's done a really good job in that role. But much of the year, Pat Neshek was the eighth-inning guy. Neshek struggling a little bit in September uh, in the wild-card game, so Will Harris pitched the eighth-inning. And I think we'll see that again. I mean, Harris has been one of the Astros' best relievers, a guy that the Astros claimed off waivers from the Diamondbacks. And he almost didn't make this ball club, basically made the team because uh, Josh Fields got hurt in spring training, and so that opened up a spot for Will Harris. But he's been in the big leagues the entire year, has been one of the Astros' better relievers, so I think he's the guy you're going to see in the eighth inning. And then in the seventh inning, uh, depending on, on, on the matchups, Tony Sipp, very good lefty reliever who has reverse splits. He's better against righties than he is against lefties because he has a really good split-figure fastball. So he's a guy I think you'll, you might see in the seventh inning. You could see Chad Qualls in the seventh inning as well. He's been pitching really well uh, since the All-Star break. So the Astros certainly have quite a few options. This bullpen has been outstanding all year, fourth in the American League in bullpen ERA. Now, getting to the offense, you know, in my opinion, the most exciting you know, offensive team in the American League, a talented young group of players, and some good veteran leadership as well. I mean, guys like Altuve and Correa and Springer. So Carlos Correa, to me, the most exciting young player in baseball, in my opinion. How good could Carlos Correa be one day? I mean, the sky's the limit, to be honest with you. I mean, this is a guy who could be an all-star every year. This is a guy who, you know, maybe in 10 or 15 years, you could be talking about, uh, whether or not he's going to Cooperstown or not. And, I mean, I, and you don't say that about very many players, but that's how special he is. If he stays healthy and he stays level-headed, there's no reason he can't be one of the top five players in baseball for the next decade, decade and a half. Yeah, very exciting young player. Now, a guy in this lineup you don't hear a lot about, and maybe I just like you know digging deep and trying to find the, the secret weapon or the key guy that nobody talks about. A guy that, you know from a Royals perspective, gives me a lot of nerves is Colby Rasmus. Talk kind of about him and how important he is to that offense. Well, I think Rasmus has given the Astros what they expected. Uh, you know, 25 home runs. Uh, you know, he's going to strike out. Uh, but he actually has a decent eye at the plate. Uh, will draw some walks. Uh, and is a really good outfielder. The thing about Rasmus that makes him so dangerous at the plate is you can't get a fastball by him. doesn't matter how hard you throw. doesn't matter whether you're left-handed or right-handed. And he's actually hitting better against lefties this year than he is against righties and, and, and hitting lefties with some power. 
Uh, if you have a good fastball, he, he can still square it up. Uh, he goes up there looking for that fastball. And I think that makes it tougher for opposing pitchers sometimes because they know he's up there looking for a fastball. So they try and throw other pitches. And you know, Generally, pitchers don't have as good a command of other pitches as they do of their fastball. And they wind up falling behind, and then they really uh, play into Rasmus's hands. So he's been a really good pickup for the Houston Astros this year. We're talking to Robert Ford, the voice of the Houston Astros. We mentioned uh, Scott Casimir earlier, a midseason addition, obviously. Another one was Carlos Gomez, who has really solidified this team when he's healthy. Of course, that's a big if. But, you know, we heard last night in the TV broadcast all about the intercoastal issues. And he may not be, you know, close to 100%. He may have tweaked it a bit last night. I mean, how close to 100% do you think he is right now? And do you expect him to be a full go in this whole series? Well, I don't think he's anywhere close to 100%. I think he's going to get out right now. And he did a great job. In the wild card game, uh, obviously hitting the big home run off of Masahiro Tanaka uh, to give the Astros their second run in that ball game, and playing good defense in center field. I think the Astros at this point will take whatever they can get from from Carlos Gomez. I think there's an understanding that he's not going to be 100 percent until spring training next year. So you try and get what you can get from him. And Gomez has been a gamer. AJ Hinch, I think, has done a good job of trying to manage uh, this injury and manage Gomez's playing time. But uh, he's, going to, he's going to get an opportunity, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting tomorrow night and getting an opportunity to play center field. And, and I mean, the, really the, where the intercostal affects him the most is when he swings the bat. Uh, and so that'll be something certainly to keep an eye on. Last question on the offense. As far as the bench goes, are, are there many guys in this lineup? Obviously, we don't watch them every day. Are there many guys in this lineup that get pinch hit for, and are there any guys in the bench we should look out for that could come in for late key at-bats in the, in the game? Well, I think it also depends on how the lineup is structured and who's starting. I mean, I think, you know, a guy like Preston Tucker, left-handed bat off the bench, he's been key, has two pinch hit home runs this year and 13 home runs on the season. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez is a, is a key pinch hitter against left-handed pitchers. He's got a, 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 a right or a left wrist issue that affects him when he hits left-handed, a switch hitter, uh, but he's going to get a lot of right-handed at-bats. Uh, so he's certainly a guy to keep an eye on off the bench as well. Last three questions for Robert Ford here, the radio play-by-play voice of the Houston Astros. Uh, from both teams' perspectives, I mean, do you feel like uh, what's one advantage Houston might have and one advantage KC might have? Do you feel either team might have one strength over the other? Well, I think certainly the Astros have the advantage starting pitching-wise. I mean, the Royals' rotation has been up and down all season long, uh, and I think the Astros' rotation has been a lot more consistent. So I think that's certainly an advantage. The Royals probably have an advantage when it comes to the bullpen. Uh, they have more hard throwers out there. Astros really don't have any hard throwers, although their bullpen's been pretty good. But again, the, the, the Royals' advantage in their bullpen, I think, only comes into play if they have a lead. If the Astros are able to score early, uh, I think that negates the, the Royals' biggest advantage, their bullpen. And that goes back to the Royals' starting pitching. I mean, if the Royals get good starting pitching, they'll win this series. Um, if the Astros pitch the way they have been most of the year, then I think they'll have a pretty good chance of winning this series. And speaking of advantages, you know, the, each team having one advantage or what have you, uh, one thing I want to talk about is the home and road disparity then of the Astros. So 53-28 and 28 at home during the regular season, 33-48 and 48 on the road. So, I mean, obviously it goes without saying that every team, for the most part, is better at home. Most likely in the playoffs, you obviously want home field advantage. So that's all out there as obvious stuff. But, I mean, is there any explanation for why this Astros team is so good at home and, and so subpar on the road during this year? I don't know. I don't know that there is. And I think it's Less of a factor now because when you consider Astros into the season with a six-game road trip through Seattle and Arizona, went four and two on that trip, winning both series, and they just won a wild card game at Yankee Stadium. So I think there's confidence in, that this team has that they can win on the road. 
I think they feel like they're going to be fine on the road. But certainly it was an issue much of the year. But since they've been able to win, I mean, they've won five of their last seven road games at this point, including the wild card game. So I don't know that it's much of an issue anymore. And last question for you then, not going to ask for a prediction. However, how do you feel these two teams match up and, and what do you feel will be the deciding factor in the series? I think both of these teams match up pretty well. I think it'll come down to the starting pitching. If the if the Royals can and rotation can step up and pitch better than they have much of the year, then I think they have a really good chance to win this series. If the Astros rotation pitches like they have most of the year, then I think the Astros certainly have the advantage. But I think these are two teams that have two very good bullpens that can lock down games. So you need to be able to score early in ball games, and I think that's what it really will come down to. Well, I think we can both agree we're both excited for this series and excited to, to get this ALDS underway tomorrow and, and look forward to talking to you again down the road and obviously to a great series of baseball. Here's to a, a nice competitive five-game series when, when you know made the best team win. All right. Good talking with you, Dave. And there you have it, Robert Ford, the voice of the Houston Astros, joining us on Clubhouse Conversation. I, I love that guy. Great guy to talk baseball with, knows his stuff. And I really do, you know, getting back to what I just said to him about a, a five-game series, may the best team win, I think it's, this will go five games. I do. I'm scared to death of the Houston Astros, if we're being completely honest right now. A team that reminds me eerily of the 2014 Royals. Just because you have a crop of hungry, young, exciting baseball players across the diamond. Guys that can run. Guys that can plug a, a gap. More power, obviously, raw power than last year's Royals team that this Houston team has. Houston's rotation may be a bit better than last year's Royals rotation, but I mean, just a team that scares the daylights out of me. A team that was one of the best teams in the American League for the majority of the summer. Should be a great series of baseball. I will take the Royals in five games. And we'll get to the next few games on Clubhouse Conversation. We'll be back with you again after game one tomorrow night. We'll go over game one at length tomorrow evening, as a matter of fact, and we will then preview game two. So we're not going to speculate too much. I could get in and try to try to figure out games three, four, and five, what the Royals might do if they get up or get down. But we'll just wait on that because I don't think anybody really knows at this point exactly what will happen and how this thing unfolds. But I do like this series to go five, and I will say that I believe game one is very, very important for the Royals, especially if you're going to tell me and if you're going to believe that Johnny Cueto is close to 100% in health and he's, and he's right physically, then you have to think a lot of his struggle has been mental, you know, trying to beat the man too much trying way too hard to please his new employer, to, to get that contract next year. And if the Royals get down 0-1 in this series and he has to go out there with all the weight of the world on his shoulders and facing Game 3 and 4 in Houston, you don't want that to happen. So you really want the Royals to come out, get a lead tomorrow, and get Game 1. And obviously, as Robert mentioned, that will be predicated by the arm of Giordano Ventura. So we'll be back, you know, be back with you again tomorrow night on Clubhouse Conversation. Hope you enjoyed our Game 1 preview here and series preview of the dish on Clubhouse Conversation. We'll talk to you again tomorrow night. Go Royals!